Welcome to Central Baptist Church of Livingston, Texas. We're glad that you've chosen to study God's Word with us today. We'd invite you to visit our website, centrallivingston.com, to learn more about our mission to preach, to teach, and to live the gospel for the glory of God. Now, open your Bible or your Bible app and study God's Word with us. Father, we thank you for your great love. We thank you that you demonstrated your love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We thank you that your love is constant and it's everlasting. We thank you that, Lord, you don't see us through eyes of a sinner. You see through eyes of grace and that you see us today with favor and, and you have a plan for us and you, in the midst of our darkest moments, you are there. You never leave nor you never forsake. Lord, your love is constant. And Lord, may we sense that in this room today, that the love of Christ would be preeminent in this place. Lord, we love you. We love you because you first loved us. In Jesus' name, amen. It is so much a delight you be seated. It's so much a delight for me to be able to to share my heart with you today. And uh, four years ago, I left my church in San Antonio, Texas. I'd been there for nearly 26 years. Uh, the church had grown from about 200 to 27,000. And uh, it was sort of a, I'd love to tell you we were smart and knew what we were doing, but we didn't. It was just a work of God. Many, many souls saved, many lives changed. But God, uh, turned a chapter in my life, and, and I began to travel and to uh, had a real passion to train the next generation of worship leaders. And I know you think you're really old and you're moving way too quick up there, but uh, I really love what I do. Um, God called me uh, August 25th, 1969 to do what I'm doing, and that's what I've done my whole life. And so um, I love it because... It's what I'm created to do. And I'm, I'm really blessed to be with you this weekend. And I've been praying for you since I met uh, Sonny on the phone. I believe it was March that we talked. I was at a conference and he called me and I walked outside and we talked for a long time. And, and, and I, he said, I, I want you to come and, and just encourage our people and, 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 and help us kind of strategize for what's next. And, and so... Uh, Really and truly, I know a lot has transpired in the last few months, but uh, today is sort of a culmination of many months of prayer and, and, and asking the Lord uh, for his favor. Now, if you have a Bible this morning, I want you to turn to Acts chapter 3, and we're going to go through a very familiar story. <clears throat> but I'm going to set this story up by saying this is not just a message I came up with, but several months ago, <clears throat> I had a very serious car wreck, and I, I nearly died, and, and uh, six months of convalescence, I couldn't walk, and had a brain injury, which is not really that bad for a singer, but um, now, now y'all, I'm from Louisiana, if you don't talk back to me and respond to me, this is going to take a long time this morning, all right, so, all right, well, so, but, but while I was um, convalescing and, and, and trying to recover from that injury, I... Um, I began to think about 
some of the great things that God had done in my life. And, and back in the late 60s, early 70s, there was a, a great movement of God that started in our country. We called it the Jesus Movement. Anybody remember that? Okay, thank you. And, um, but the country at that time was in terrible political turmoil. They were in, uh, there, was, there was this almost anger in the country. Like you couldn't have a conversation with anybody without it turning into a fight. And, and, and we were separated by our opinions and our ideas, and, and, and uh, we, were, uh, we mistreated the military when they came back from, from Vietnam, people that had been defending our freedom. And I mean, it was just our country was a mess. The drug culture was so, uh, so into uh, messing up the minds of our kids, and, and, and uh, there was uh, a total uh, undercurrent uh, in our in our society of rebellion and, and and it just seemed like there was nothing we could do about it does that sound familiar right in the middle of that God choose, chose the most unlikely group of people on the planet to pour out his spirit on them the hippies you remember that it was crazy. We had a, a coffee house in my little town. I lived in Alexandria, Louisiana at the time. My, my dad was in ministry, and we we had this little house that we rented. We did, did a coffee house and had black lights and and sang our little Jesus songs and fed them peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and Delaware punch. It's because it was cheap, and uh, it was really cool because the hippies would come in there on drugs and stuff, and they'd open up those peanut butter sandwiches. And it, this is just a fun fact. In black light, peanut butter turns green. <laughs> so these dudes were already on drugs, all right? <laughs> and they'd open it up. And, of course, all homeless people, if you notice, when you give them something to eat, they smell it first. I mean, there's a good reason why. But, and so so they'd, they'd look at that, and they'd smell it, and they'd go, wow. And then they'd eat it. <laughs> I don't know why I had to tell that part. But anyway, it's... But what we're, we didn't understand anything that was going on. We just were singing and telling about Jesus, and people started getting saved. And they'd start coming to our church. And Miss, Miss Bolton sat right there on the second row in her mink stole year-round. And the deacon sat on the front row. Well, these, these kids would come in after getting saved. They'd come to the very front and sit on the front row. They were taking the deacon's chairs, all right? Oh, Lord, help us. And, and it was, But they didn't know what to say. They didn't know any of the religious words. They didn't know any of that. All they knew is they were a mess, and Jesus took over their life. And I'm saying to you right now, our country is poised for the next great outpouring of his spirit. And I'm just asking you this morning, why wouldn't it be you, Central Baptist Church in Livingston, Texas? I mean, you know, if I was God... I'd be okay with that. I want you to know that we underestimate what God could do with a group of people who were so committed to him that they abandoned everything else and said, I'm going to follow Jesus. 
Now, here's the story. Follow along with me in Acts chapter 3. It's the day after Pentecost. Context, Jesus in Acts chapter 1, he ascends after being here on earth for 40 days. You remember that? Nod your head like you do. Okay, good. And so he ascends. They're standing there in the field, and the angel goes, what are y'all doing? And uh, this same Jesus who has ascended will come again in the same manner. And so they decide, well, we better pray because they didn't know anything else to do. So they got 120 of them, went up into a a upper room somewhere there in Jerusalem and they prayed for 10 days and it was in that 10 days that this verse came to mind when Jesus said and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses you remember this part your pastor preached through this so nod your head so that he'll feel like he's being validated right now right and so Acts chapter 2, they come out of the upper room. What happens? We call it the day of Pentecost. They go out into the town square and they begin to preach the gospel. All of a sudden, they begin to preach in all of the different languages that were represented in that, that area. And people heard the gospel in their own languages and responded to it. And 3,000 people were saved in that place. And we know that day as being the day that the modern day church basically began. 3,000 souls. Could it get any better than that? Well, turn the page to chapter 3. Peter and John were going to the temple, as was their habit, to pray. It was about 3 in the afternoon. As they got to the temple gate, there was a man who had been crippled since birth. This is important, since birth. That means he had never walked ever before. And he was there begging alms. Someone probably carried him there every day just so he could beg enough uh, uh, coins to buy enough bread to survive. That was his way of surviving. And if you've been to uh, third world countries, you notice most most guys, they kind of bow their heads and they don't look at you because they're, they're ashamed. And Peter says to this guy, he stops, he looks at him, he says, hey, look at me. In other words, I want to have a relationship with you. He said, silver and gold, I don't have any. But what I have, I'll give to you. In the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. Grabs him by the hand, and immediately power surged into this man's body, into those atrophied muscles that had never, ever, ever worked. And he stood up, and he walked. Now, This guy, I'm sure, had heard about Jesus, but he had no idea what was going on here. And he began to walk. And then as they continued on toward the temple to pray, he would not let go of them. And he was jumping and walking and shouting, and he drew a crowd. People were saying, isn't that the crippled guy? And so when Peter and John got up to the steps of the porch, they turned around and this massive crowd had had gathered, wondering what had happened. And they had a choice in that moment. This praising was going on. This guy wouldn't shut up and he wouldn't let go of Peter (laughs) because he said, I don't know who you are, but what you just did for me, I'm with you, right? And so Peter took that moment to preach. And the rest, basically the rest of that chapter is him preaching a message. And it wasn't an easy message. 
He said, hey, guys, we didn't heal this man. Jesus, the one you crucified, pretty bold, right, is the one who, who did this. And so now they have the attention of the crowd. Peter preached the gospel knowing full well standing on the porch at the temple that the religious leaders were going to be unhappy. He preached the message. And between four and 5,000 people got saved. Greater than the first day. So I'm going to call this message today, taking it to the next level. You know, this church has a grand history. It's the oldest church in the entire county. You're aware of that. I did a little stalking on you. And you've had great days and you've had hard days, but through the years, here we are. You still exist. And you are a force to be reckoned with in this county. People look to this church and they look at you as an example of persistence and endurance. But I'm going to suggest to you we need to take this thing to the next level. It's a new day. Got a new pastor, new vision. There are great things ahead for you. But I, I fully believe this story gives us five things that have to happen in order for us to take it to the next level. So here we go. The first one is prayer. Oh, my goodness. Aren't we in 30 days of prayer, Pastor? Can, the, the prayer of the saints is so important to every great movement of God throughout history. It generally begins with prayer. Um, I, my wife is an airline pilot for Southwest Airlines. That's the one who sits up front and flies. And, um, but we were visiting New York City. She had taken a flight there, and uh, we had, had little kids at the time. This was about 23 years ago. And so my wife wanted to take my older son to see a Broadway musical, but the, the baby, they wouldn't let him in. You could buy a ticket, but they don't let, didn't let little babies in, I guess, because they didn't want them disrupting. But, so my youngest son, Christopher, and I went, set out on a journey in Manhattan one afternoon. It was about 4 o'clock on Tuesday afternoon, and I was pushing him in the stroller, and I had a jogging suit on, but I wanted to find uh, Dave Wilkerson's church, Times Square Church. I, I read about it, and I, I just wanted to get, so I, I found out where it was, and I pushed the stroller down there, and there were men outside in suits at 4 o'clock in the afternoon on Tuesday greeting people, and I thought, well, that's unusual. So... I walked up and I said, hi, I'm uh, just visiting the city. I wondered if I could come in. I said, sure. I said, well, what's going on here? I said, well, Pastor Sunday called a prayer meeting today uh, for 6 o'clock. And I said, oh, that's great. I said, well, can I just come in and look around? I'm just interested. And they said, sure. And they welcomed me in. I went out in the foyer, went to the door to go into the sanctuary, and one of the ushers stopped me and said, you can't go in there. I said, well, why not? What's going on? He said, well, our prayer ministers are there preparing the altar at 4 o'clock on Tuesday afternoon. And I walked, I said, well, I'm a pastor. Can I come in? They said, sure, but just be quiet. And so I, I, my son had fallen asleep. I put him on my shoulder. I sat in the very back. And, 
and there were about a hundred people down at the altar praying out loud, okay? A hundred people at four o'clock on Tuesday afternoon preparing the room. And then they broke off and they went and put their hands on every chair in the room, every, prayed over every door in the room. And at five o'clock, they opened the door and people rushed in. At 5.15, a guy got up and made the announcement that the, the room is full, we're opening the overflow. At five o'clock on Tuesday afternoon. Pastor, I don't know about you, but in any church I've been in, a five o'clock Tuesday afternoon prayer meeting, we would not have had overflow. I'm not sure we would have had 100 people. At 5.45, they announced that the overflow rooms were full and there were people gathering in the lobby. Six o'clock, curtain opened, there was a full choir. They sang for 30 minutes, maybe 35 minutes. I didn't know one of the songs, but I just stood in the back weeping because I sensed the power and presence of God and such authority in the room. And God changed my heart that day. You wonder why that church had impact in, in a city like New York City? Because of prayer. It wasn't, you know, in, in most Baptist churches I'm in, you, you don't get prayed for until you make the prayer list on Wednesday night. Right? Y'all are laughing because you know what exactly what I'm saying. We need to be people of prayer. We need to take seriously when our pastor leads us for 30 days of prayer to pray every day. What would happen if all of us prayed together every day? That's, that's the challenge. So the first step to the next level begins in prayer. Prayer to me is the hardest thing I do as a Christian. I'm going to tell you why. I'm a little bit ADD. And so I start praying and my prayer learn, turns into a to-do list, right? And then before you know it, I've stopped praying. I've just started thinking about what I need to do for the day. Or I've assigned God a to-do list of how he should do it. You know, I've given God advice my whole life, and he's taken none of it. Amen. God, God's not interested in your advice. God's ways are not your ways. But prayer is where it starts. And that's what started this whole event. If these guys had not been going to pray, they would have never met this crippled man. So prayer is the first step. The second step is compassion or passion for others. They stopped and they looked at this one guy. Undoubtedly, there were many beggars there that day. But they had passion for this particular one because God put a passion in their heart for that person. And so now we're, we're looking at a guy who was a complete cripple, but they, they said, look at us, look at us. It's like, hey, I want to be in relationship with you. I mean, when people pass this church, do they think, well, they care about me there? No, really. Are all of your ministries inward for each other or your ministries outward touching people on the outside walls of this church do they look at you as the caring church in this city 
I was going to do a funeral in San Antonio several years back, and I <clears throat> had a suit on. That's how you knew I was going to a funeral. But um, I, um, I had a flat tire. And so I was right by this church, and I'm not going to tell you the name of the church, but underneath it, it said, The Caring Place. So I pulled in, and I was kind of hoping somebody might help me a little bit, you know, because I don't want to get my white shirt dirty and all that. But I pulled out, and I'm being car after car passed by me. They didn't even, like, roll their window down. Like, can we get somebody? Nothing. I mean, they just looked like I wasn't there. And I was thinking they probably ought to change the name of this church. But I, 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 I changed that tire, and I thought to myself, I was selfishly wanting somebody to help me, but the reality is, what kind of attitude do we have? Remember the story of the Good Samaritan? The two religious guys passed on by, right? And finally, there's this one who said, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna help this guy. You remember that story? I, I just wonder, is this the caring place? Do you have compassion for others? It was their compassion that made them stop. They could have just gone on to pray and it would have been a very religious thing to do. But see, our religion is fruitless unless there's a relationship involved. So there's prayer that takes you to the next level. And there's compassion passion for others it's so important it's so important the, the, the thing about passion is that it, it's inconvenient let's just face it it's inconvenient for me to stop and help somebody in need it is inconvenient but it's one of the most fulfilling things God ever allows us to do right I work with a ministry in San Antonio called Church Under the Bridge and literally we used to be a church under the bridge. We'd have meetings there two or three times a week and on Sunday morning we had a food kitchen and, and that we pulled up in, in a trailer and we cooked food, fresh food and literally hundreds of, of homeless people would come uh, every time we'd preach the gospel. And uh, we finally uh, bought a piece of property and, and built a building and, and uh, during COVID we fed meals every day, twice a day to literally over that period of time, hundreds of thousands of people, all in the name of Jesus. It was not convenient at all. But oh my goodness, lives were changed. I don't know about you, but nothing I've ever done in my life that was that I would consider good was easy. Right? But it seems like the church has leaned toward convenience. And I'm asking you to lean toward inconvenience so that you can show genuine compassion for others. So there's prayer, there's compassion for others, and here's the third, the power of God. So Peter goes, silver and gold, I don't have any, I'm a preacher. He didn't really say that, but it's kind of true, right? 
He's sort of a vagabond traveling around with Jesus. He didn't have a job, so he didn't, he didn't have a lot of extra cash on him. He said, but what I do have, I will give to you. In the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. You know what I'm afraid of in the modern-day church? I'm afraid we could say silver and gold, we've got plenty. But I'm not hearing us say a lot, in the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. I said, oh, we're Baptists, we don't believe in that healing stuff. Well, I do, because I'm standing here as a living proof. I was a dead man, and now I'm alive. And you are too, any of you. I talked to several of you recently. You ever been sick? Did you get well? Then you believe in healing. But what I'm talking about is the power of God that surges through this body. When people come here, they sense the power and presence of God even when they don't know what it is. Back when we first started uh, Community Bible Church, we met in a strip shopping center. And down at the end of the strip shopping center was where we met for church. But our officers were at the other end. Well, one Monday afternoon, I'm, I'm getting in my car to go home, and I see a lady trying to get into the church. I thought, well, maybe she had left something there the day before. So I rushed down there. I said, hey, can I help you? She said, can I get in there? I said, sure. Did you lose something? We've got a lost and found. She said, no, I just need to get in there. I said, well, okay. So I walked in. She, I said, why do you need to get in there? She said, well, I don't know, but every time I come in here and sit down in that room, I start to weep, and I start to feel something, and I just needed to feel that today. I said, oh, really? I said, well, why don't you come down to my office? And so she came to my office, and I shared with her that I felt what she was sensing was the power and presence of God. She said, that, that, that's it. I said, well, have you ever been saved? She said, no. I shared the gospel with her. She came to Christ right there in my office. She looked up from her prayer. She said, oh, my goodness, I'm going to have to go tell my boyfriend he's got to move out. <laughs> that was not me. I said, well, that's probably a good idea. I said, uh, why don't, when he comes home, instead of kicking him out, why don't you tell him what happened first? Give him a little context. Well, she called me after he got home, and she said, you're not going to believe this. He got saved. He's going to move out. Would you marry us? I said, well, yeah, let's get together. <laughs> this is happening really quick. To this day, 27 of her family have come to Christ because of that day. Amen? Now, that is the power of God. It wasn't me that she was drawn to. It was whatever was happening in that room. It was the, the passion and power of the Holy Spirit that she felt. You know, I don't know why we have shied away from the things of the Spirit. It's in the Bible, right? Jesus said he was going to pour out his Spirit upon us. He left the Holy Spirit 
as an entity of God to carry us through to the end. And to deny the things of the Spirit would be to deny what God had left for us during these days. We need to recapture our heart for the power of the Holy Spirit. It, it says in Ephesians 6, it says, Do not be drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Same verse, same emphasis, declarative statement. And now, if, if Sonny came up here next Sunday and got behind this desk and was preaching and he was drunk, you would be offended. And you should be. So don't do that, Sonny. It would be offensive. Good, good idea. But how many times have we stood in teaching a class or doing a ministry and not been filled with the Holy Spirit? He said, no, wait a minute. I was filled when I was saved. Well, that verse says, be ye continually being filled. Look at the grammar. Be ye continually being filled. You know why? Because you leak. And you need a continual filling of God's Spirit. Now, now listen to me. Stay with me, okay? We need the filling of the Holy Spirit because it is the power of God in us that enables us to do the work of God. So we need to pray, we need to have compassion, and we need to have power. We need to have power. That's what happened in this verse. Power of God. Such as I have, I give unto thee. In the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. So now, we've made three steps of the five. Well, what's next? Well, this guy gets healed. He doesn't even know Peter and, and John as far as we know. He doesn't know anything about really Jesus. Probably heard about him, but he, he knew nothing of the faith. But his immediate reaction to meeting God was praise. Are you known as a people of praise? I want you to know this morning, I, I dropped my mic several times just to hear you sing. And it was so, it was so full. And your hearts were, your hearts were giving out your praise to God. Do you realize when we gather here, this is not about us? Do you know that? I think we've taught the church in America that we come to church to receive. The reason I know that is because people will be leaving and they'll go, well, I didn't get much out of that today. And I always want to say, what'd you put in it? Because honestly, we don't gather here today to receive. We gather here to give. We, we came here to bring an offering. And I'm not talking about your money. I'm talking about an offering of praise. And look, your praise, I can't give it. Only you can give it. And so if you're withholding your praise, what you're doing is you're withholding your purpose for being here. This guy, he didn't know anything about praise. But it was the natural reaction of what happened inside of his life. I mean, he caught on fire for God. I mean, you, you heard about the town drunk that, that, that uh, the, the church literally caught on fire. And he was at the, at the front of the bucket brigade trying to uh, douse the flames of the church. And pastor walks up to him and says, man, I've never seen you at church before. And he said, pastor, your church never been on fire before. 
I'm telling you, if you catch on fire, people come watch you burn. I guarantee you they will. And once they get inside and start to see what God is doing in you, they'll want the same thing to happen to them. Are you known as a people of praise? Unabandoned. When I was a young minister and God began to do a work in my life of, of, of worship, and I was... It was, it was back when we started to sing worship choruses, and I was getting a lot of people complaining about it and stuff. And I, you know, I just said, "Hey, you know, they're scripture songs, and these are good." And it's the, the new Christians loved them because they it, it would catch on to them real quick. And I, and so, you know, we we had this one guy in our church. He was a very influential guy, and and. Uh, Often during worship, I would I would raise my hands, and be, people in the audience were beginning to raise their hands, and I wasn't instructing anybody to do anything. It was just spontaneously happening. And he called a meeting with the pastor. Pastor didn't know what it was about. He brought us into the room, and he turned and he looked at me. He said, "You are a cult leader." That's what he said to me, and it caught me off guard a little bit. And thank the Lord, I didn't say what I wanted to say, but I just I just was quiet. And he said, you're leading our people, uh, you're manipulating them, you're, 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 you're demonstrating uh, these new things in worship and you're drawing attention to yourself. And just that quick, my, the Lord brought a, a picture into my mind and said, you know, uh, Tom, his name was Tom. I said, um, when my little boy David, when he was a little boy, and we lived in a little trailer home, and I would come home from church, and he would hear me driving in the gravel driveway, he would back down those steps in that trailer house, and when I got out of the car, he would lift his hands, and he would run toward me, and he'd say, Daddy, 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 I love you, I love you, I love you. And I said, Tom, you know, I looked at him and said, Stop that. You're drawing attention to yourself. He said, what? I said, no, that's not what I did. Because as his daddy, I picked him up and I smothered him with kisses and, and loved on him. And it was such a blessing to me to have my child to love me. I said, Tom, that's all I'm doing. Because I'm just loving Jesus out loud. If that offends you, I'm sorry. And if I need to leave this church, I will. But you're not going to shut down my praise. Listen to me. Stop letting people shut down your praise. I, I'm not expecting all of you to lift your hands or clap your hands. I'm not expecting you to do anything. I'm just saying, what's the position of your heart? Is your heart full of praise? When you come in this room... Can you, if you didn't give your praise, you feel like you would explode. That's what I'm asking. We're people of prayer, people of compassion, people of power, people of praise. And the last one is people of courage. Persistent courage. 
We are in a generation of people who have become so politically, politically correct in everything we say and do that we no longer make a stand. And I'm not talking about politics now. I'm talking about as the church. We need to stand courageously. Now look, Peter was on the steps of the temple of the Jewish leaders that instigated the murder of Jesus. Don't you think in the back of his mind he thought, I might get in trouble for this? But all Peter could see was the sea of people that were in front of him who had a desperate need. Listen, church, we have got to be courageous in our city and make a stand for Jesus in this city. I know that every church has a different personality, and I don't know you well enough to know what it is that God's going to do, but I can tell you, you've got a new leader who has a vision. I've been talking to him since March, and he's dead on with his vision. Get behind your leader and walk forward. Don't look backwards. What are we holding back for? Right? Is Jesus not the only answer? Because if he's not the only answer, we probably need to shut the doors. He is the only answer. It's Jesus or nothing. I've staken my life on it, and you are too. But God's calling us. The final step of taking it to the next level is to be courageous. Do something bold in the name of Jesus that people will know that what we have is for real. Do you know why millennials stopped coming to church? Because they thought we were not authentic. True story. A lot of them are going to liturgical churches because they feel like it's more authentic, even though the theology might be whacked out. We've got good theology. We've got good facilities. We've got resources in the bank. We've got the most important resource, and that is you. And we must, we must take a courageous step for Jesus and become the church of the living God in Livingston, Texas, that will change this city for Jesus. So here it is. Begins with prayer. Begins with compassion. Power of God. Filling of the Holy Spirit. Praise to God. People of praise. And people who have courage. Would you bow your heads? Let me just ask you to, as we're praying right now, to pray for those in this room that have never received Christ. But if you're in this room and you've never invited Jesus into your life, I'm going to ask you right now, would you give your life to Christ? Would you allow him to forgive you of your sins? Would you allow him to make a way for you to go to heaven? 
right, to, right now, this day, would you submit your life to him and come into a relationship with Jesus? If, if you want to do that, I want you to pray this prayer in your heart. Just pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I need forgiveness for my sins. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Make me the person you want me to be. I give you my life. Forgive me of all my sins. I put my trust in you. I love you, Jesus. Now, if you prayed that prayer just right now, I'm just going to say, in a minute, we're going to stand. Pastor and, and, and ministers are going to be here at the front. I'm just going to ask you to walk down and just grab their hand and say, I prayed that prayer, and they'll help you. That's all you got to say. They'll help you to get started in your relationship to Christ. But this message was to the church. And church, this you've got a big altar here. And I'm going to ask you to do something bold today. But if you want to be a church that takes it to the next level, when we stand, I'm just going to ask you to slip out from where you're standing. And if your health allows, come to this altar and kneel. If not, just come and stand and pray. You don't have to say anything to anybody. But by doing so, you are saying, I am, I am taking it to the next level. You know, Jesus changed the world with 12. He really did. But I believe in this room there are enough people that we could see God begin a new movement of his spirit and power. doesn't matter if you're a member of this church or not. I don't care. But I'm asking you, will you be courageous enough to make the step of faith and say, I am taking it to the next level. And then you can just go back to your seat. So would you stand with me? Everybody's standing. I want to pray, and when I get done praying, you step out. Make the decision that God has put in your heart. Father, in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Spirit, make yourself known in our hearts. Give us the courage to make a difference in this city. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for tuning in to one of our services. We would love to invite you, if you're ever in the Livingston area, to worship with us. We're located at 503 Northeast Avenue in Livingston, Texas. Here at Central Baptist, we are an intergenerational body of baptized believers with a blended style of praise who value expositional preaching, meaningful membership, consistent discipleship across all ages, and a gospel emphasis both locally and globally. If you'd like more information about Central, please visit our website at centrallivingston.com. Once again, thank you and have a blessed day.